This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with Parth Chandra. He is the founder and CEO of Electrity, a leading technology platform that combines upfront due diligence approval of planned third-party spin with the analysis of the actual spin, focusing on fraud, corruption, and conflicts of interest. We talk about Parth's nearly 20-year journey through compliance, first as a lawyer and now as the CEO of a tech company supporting compliance practitioners and lawyers. Fascinating story, and the software he and his team have developed, I think, is one of the most innovative products for the compliance practitioner uh, that I've I've heard about in a long, long time. So I know you will enjoy this episode. He's also recently quoted in Fraud Magazine. We'll talk about that article as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today you are in for yet another treat because I'm here with Parth Chanda. He is the CEO of Lextegrity, a leading technology platform that combines upfront due diligence approval of planned third-party spend with the analysis of the actual spend focused on fraud, corruption, and conflicts of interest. So, Parth, first of all, um, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. All right. Thanks so much, Tom. It's great to be on here. You've got a great pulse on where the compliance world is moving, and so we're really excited to tell you a little bit more about Lextegrity. Well, Parth, um, I pride myself on being uh, sort of a 10-year-plus veteran in the anti-corruption compliance space, but you're even, uh, I think, more senior to me. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your professional background uh, and really what led that, what led you to found Lextegrity? Yeah, no, I would love to. So uh, as you mentioned, I am uh, a veteran in this space, so I'm a lawyer by training. Uh, I really began my career in compliance all the way back in 2001. Um, I was getting a joint law and public administration degree, really focused on international development. You know, the question of why do some countries consistently struggle with development, both economic and human development? And, you know, my studies kept bringing me back over and over again to the quality of institutions and the role of corruption in undermining development. And so, you know, this was many years before eradicating corruption began, became a part of the UN, you know, sustain, sustainable development goals and, uh, you know, civil society really focusing in on corruption. Um, and so I, back then in 2001, got a summer internship when I was in law school at the World Bank in their INT group and really caught the anti-corruption bug uh, then and there, really particularly how to fight corruption from within an enterprise. And so when I graduated from law school, I went on to the law firm of Sherman and Sterling in 2004, right when the DOJ and SEC were starting to really ramp up prosecution in this space and really was at the right place at the right time, uh, led a number of large multinational investigations, served on two FCPA monitorship teams, was sort of the chief editor of the uh, FCPA Digest back in the day. Um, And so I was about there for about five years when I realized 
I kind of love the prevention side of things even more than the investigation side. And so in 2009, I moved to Avon after their voluntary disclosure of FCPA issues to enhance their program, and then eventually moved on to Pfizer, where I led uh, the global anti-corruption program for the company in you know 125 odd markets. Um, part of that, the, the first part of that role, I oversaw our DPA with the DOJ and our self-reporting obligations, and then also sort of led up a multi-year digital transformation of our anti-corruption program. So from a legal perspective, I've been doing this almost for 20 years now. Um, And really in those roles as a lawyer, I worked closely with the internal IT groups and saw a real gap in the technology space here and founded Flextegrity in 2017 to really offer better end-to-end internal control systems in this space. And happy to dive into a lot more detail about that. Well, Partha, I hate to go back to the future, but now I am impressed. If you were an editor on the FCPA Digest, that is still, uh, if not the, one of the top uh, annual resources. So kudos for doing that for the rest of thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about what led you guys to founding Lextegrity? Because I think that's really a very interesting origin story. Yeah, no, thanks. So, yeah, really, again, it was from my experience being a lawyer and feeling like both from my experience working at a number of companies, but also benchmarking with many of my peers who were struggling with the same issues we were all struggling with. Our options were really limited in terms of having really best-in-class end-to-end solutions. So, um, you know, the, the, their, you know, where companies were for many years and, in my view, still are today is There's a lot of front-end focus on the front-end due diligence and spend approval process. You know, probably in most companies, the third-party space is the most mature. Uh, Some of those processes may be in paper. They may be using some form of technology, maybe SharePoint. It may be something a little bit better than that. But those systems are in silos. They're not connected. They don't speak to one another. The third-party system's not connected to the conflicts of interest process, not connected to the charitable donations process. And there's really no holistic view of risk across the enterprise at an employee level or a counterparty level. After that, you know, that's the first level of internal controls, which in my view, for many companies, is sort of suboptimal today. But really, after that, it gets, unfortunately, weaker for most companies. You know, the pre-approval systems and processes are then not really well connected into the financial system. So, you know, when you talk about following the money, that's the key in the space, are you, know, are you very well tightly connected with your ERP systems, your T&E systems, your P2P systems? And for most companies, that's a challenge today. And so, you know, an employee who's either uninformed or maybe rogue, uh, you know, can sort of skip that front end process entirely, can initiate a payment or an expense or initiate amount uh, of payment or expense that varies from that pre-approval, um, or can identify a third party as low risk on the front end pre-approval side, and then pay them for high-risk activities on the payment side. So really, that next level of control is is often missing as well. And then finally, from an end-to-end perspective, what happens at the end? So internal audit then does their auditing and monitoring. That, for many companies today, also happens relatively infrequently and manually. So internal audit picks markets on a risk basis. They then pick a judgmental sample. If you're lucky, you pick the right market. And then if you're lucky, again, you pick the right transactions in, the, in that market on your audit. And if you find something, it's probably been going on for a couple of years. 
um, you know, and who knows how far the schemes and payments have spread at that point. So really, what I struggled with when I was in-house was how do you bridge all of that? It seemed like a gargantuan feat, um, and really the only answer to me seemed to be technology. I grew increasingly frustrated at internal IT teams being able to develop something that's sophisticated. And when vendors came to me when I was an in-house counsel, it was often the same, you know, spiel, you know, what do you need it to do? And we can do it, you know, and I, I sort of looked at it the other way of, why don't you give me the tool I need? And so in 2017, I left uh, my role at Pfizer to really develop that tool, really an integrated end-to-end data-driven compliance platform that covers your front-end due diligence, integrates with your payment systems, and goes all the way through to your spend monitoring and analytics of all your spend in real time. And so, you know, it's been exciting road. Uh, you know, we've got at this point, some pretty prominent uh, customers, including Halliburton, Airbnb, Alexion Pharmaceuticals, and you know, it's it's just been a joy working with in-house counsel in a different role from the technologist side, and really bringing them tools that make their lives easier. So, um, yeah, it's been it's a bit, it's been a fun journey, and one that uh, we're really excited about continuing. Worth having sat in the CCO chair, and certainly now from your current position, talking to many of your colleagues and as you have done throughout your career, what do you see as, or what are, or I guess, or have you found to be some of the biggest traditional challenges CCOs face when trying to deploy a compliance monitoring solution? Yeah, so uh, there, there, there are many challenges. You know, I think what, what I've seen both when I was in-house and then from talking to many, many companies now uh, from the outside is the biggest challenge is a general one. It's around really effectively operationalizing your compliance and embedding it within your business processes. And the biggest challenge is fundamentally a human one. It's getting buy-in from the business. Because ultimately, for compliance to be successful, the business has to truly be bought in. Not, you know, bought in in concept and not bought in in practice, truly bought in. Um, You know, and as businesses grow more complex, Go, go into more and more markets, go into different uh, market entry models, and risks themselves grow multifaceted, you know, in my view, the answer is not building an army of lawyers. You know, the, the answer is building uh, a process where the business is taking accountability for compliance, but the big challenge is, you know, that is everyone's goal, but the big challenge is it's impossible for the business to take that accountability if the tools that you're giving them as a compliance function are just not good. You know, if they're clunky, if they're slow, if they don't work on mobile. Um, and so, again, in-house folks struggle with that. There's few options out there. And so we were focused in Lextegrity first and foremost on user experience for the business. You know, having a mobile platform, one that's graphical, intuitive, that really works like a modern app. People are used to using, doing everything on their phones and everything in a very slick way. Um, And so why shouldn't compliance be the same experience? And so uh, user friendliness was, I think, a core founding part of our mission. Then on top of that, we wanted to make compliance as less of a blocker um, and an obstacle for the business as possible. So often compliance, you know, uh, for good reasons, puts a lot of process into place that can really slow things down for the business. And you know, the worst case scenarios happen. The business takes too long to get all the paperwork done. They submit it with two days left for before the event. And then there's too many approvers and they don't review it all. The business ends up doing it anyway. 
and then you're everyone's in a terrible place because you've got to now document why you would have been comfortable if you had looked at it in time. And so we've put in a number of innovations into our workflow as well that are meant to really speed up that compliance approval process for everyone, for the lawyers as well as the business people. So I think that user experience is, is the first challenge. I think the second big challenge is manual work. I think every compliance organization struggling with a lot of manual work. When you go, you know, from reporting and analytics, you know, I can't, I've lost track of how many companies uh, that I've come met with in the past two years where compliance folks have to go to another function to get the compliance data they need. They need to use pivot tables in Excel. None of those things should be happening. <laughs> you know, your system should be able to spit out data that you can use immediately. Um, and then, you know, that's data. Then sanction screening and adverse media screening. You know, no one should have to go, a compliance person should not have to go into a user interface, type in uh, the party's name, download a PDF, upload that into a system, put it in a box folder. You know, all of those things um, can be automated and can make, free up your really bright compliance lawyers to do stuff that really leverages their intelligence um, and use this technology to do the, the low value stuff that can be automated. And then finally, you know, one of the things that we're really focused on is how do you have better data analytics to drive your decision making itself? So today, you know, 99% of compliance workflows are the approver relying on someone's answers to a bunch of questions um, with no other context, not knowing if this person frequently does this, if these recipients receive support frequently, um, you know, whether this person's under investigation elsewhere. Um, so we want to give our pre-approval approvers better data to make better risk-informed decisions. So we've built a lot of functionality into our tool to help uh, do that as well. So that's, that's on the pre-approval side. I think there's a lot of challenges. On the monitoring side, that's where I think there are even bigger challenges. I think the biggest one is fear of the data. I think today, most compliance professionals understand we, they need to do uh, fraud analytics, compliance analytics, but there's a fear that there's too much data out there, there's going to be too many false positives, there's not enough human beings to review it all, and that you know, ultimately, I think, causes a lot of paralysis. And so we're really focused on giving our customers control over their data, control over the tests they run, the weighting of those tests. And because from my perspective, you know, the answer is not to fear your data, but to deploy it better. Um, and then once you've deployed that data, having a truly good documented workflow. So you can have, you know, you can visualize your data in a visualization engine as much as you want, but then what did you do with it? The government's going to be very keen on if an issue pops up, where's your full audit trail of what you did with that transaction? How did you get comfortable with keeping that vendor on the books? Um, and so, you know, we're very focused on making that workflow very robust as well. Um, and then, you know, I guess my parting point on this in terms of challenges would be, you know, looking at more medium-sized companies, mid-market companies, companies that are less mature in this space, I think there really is a sense of being overwhelmed on where to even start. You know, the standards that are out there um, sometimes read as if they're made for the Fortune 100. Um, and so if I'm a mid-market company or I'm a smaller company now venturing into a high-risk market, I, I'm, I may feel lost on where to even start. And so, you know, we're also very focused on making a tool that can be used by the biggest companies in the world, but also the smallest companies with, you know, pre-built content and workflows uh, based on some proprietary analysis that we've done to make a tool that's pretty close to off-the-shelf that you could use if you're a smaller company. So, 
you know, I, I think this is a challenge. It's, it's con- continues to be quite a challenging space for compliance lawyers. Um, I think technology is, is going to be a big part of the, the, the solution of making life easier for really everyone. So, Mark, let me pick up on uh, a great phrase you had, which is don't fear the data. And um, I'm a lawyer as well, and I think certainly when I went to law school, uh, data was not something uh, that was part of the curriculum uh, or anything that we were exposed to. And I think many uh, legally trained lawyers still struggle with just that point with data. But we also have, as lawyers, I think a professional bias to really look for uh, not only uh, legal violations but legal solutions to problems, and it struck me when I read an article uh, by Vince Walden in Fraud Magazine, uh, where he said one of the things that a compliance practitioner, a fraud examiner, an internal auditor, all need a lawyer, all need to to consider is avoiding professional biases in your fraud risk management program. And it struck me as you described uh, the uses of data and how many probably lawyers fear that data that you're presenting it in a way that can not only take away that fear or at least help ameliorate that fear, but also help remove the uh, inherent biases that we all have based upon our uh, professional education and our professional background. Would that be a a fair statement? So really directly on point. So yeah, I mean, again, our mission is really to break down those silos of data within your company, your enterprise for better compliance decision making. But at the same time, it's about breaking down those functional and um, sort of experiential silos where the compliance folks don't feel comfortable with the data, the audit team is using the data but not thinking about it in the same way as compliance, and the business is sitting out there you know, uh, with a thirst for the data and not getting any access to that data. So you know, as I mentioned, our founding team, we're former in-house lawyers and accountants. Um, and so you know, we have folks on our team that were internal audit at, at big companies who are, uh, you know, accountants and forensic accountants by training, uh, because the reality is too often compliance and audit, they're working with the same data, but just separately. You know, they're not sharing findings, they're not sharing insights, and if they are, it's very manually shared without a good trail of, of, of who's doing what. And so, you know, we are very purposeful about that, of having tools that can be used by both sides of the house, compliance for their preventative work and their, you know, more uh, deep dive monitoring and investigations work and internal audit for better data-driven sample selection and for documenting their findings, et cetera. You know, and so that that's really how we try to bring those two groups with their separate biases together. And then ultimately, you know, I think beyond that, there's also the business, you know, I, I kind of touched on this, that they're really the greatest in my mind, both in, in terms of the prevent the prevention side of the house as well as the detective side of the house they are an untapped resource that i think most companies are ignoring today i think the business increasingly at many large companies and medium sized companies is asking for access to data so that they can own their own compliance so they can understand both from a spend perspective are we spending too much in certain areas compared to our peer markets in our company but also are we spending too much for high-risk vendors compared to our neighbor market. Um, and, and I think compliance and audit have a little bit of fear about letting that data out, um, but also, um, you know, how? How do they do that? And so, you know, how, you know, obviously you don't want the business to have the same access to information. So our tool 
specifically developed to segregate access to data, to give the business slices of that data that they need, not too much, but not too little, so that they can own their own compliance and, again, drive the accountability at the right level of the organization. Because I think, again, these tools can and should be democratized at some level because organizations are just too big, life is just too complicated, and the people who are closest to the risk who really know what this vendor on the ground in X country is doing or what they should be doing or what they should be getting paid is usually not the lawyer or even the accountant sitting at headquarters. It's the person sitting on the ground in that market. So how do you drive that data, drive that, uh, drive those tools as close to those end users as possible so that, one, they can own their own uh, uh, compliance, but at the same time, they can also have drive better compliance decision-making within the whole enterprise. Um, again, all of this stuff is easier said than done, for sure, uh, but it's near impossible to do without technology. Martha, I was wondering if you might be able to share with us any uh, customer success stories or how companies may have benefited from the platform beyond the, the few words you've given us there. From my perspective, from a personal level, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, um, my biggest success stories are really the reaction I get from my peers who are in-house counsel and auditors. I mean, we built this tool, our team, as a labor of love. We're all very passionate about this space. We really feel passionately that enterprise has a big role in, in tackling one of the most vexing problems facing humanity, which is corruption and fraud and embezzlement. Um, and we see a role for a big role for technology to play there. But when we work with our in-house uh, counsel, when we talk to other in-house uh, lawyers at potential customers, and it clicks for them within the first few minutes of what we're offering that others don't, you know, that at a personal level is a great feeling. Um, but really, in terms of the product, I think most the most important thing has been the reaction that our compliance teams in our customers get from their business. You know, the the, the positive feedback they get in terms of the ease of use of the platform. Um, the, the fact that managers can pull it up on their phone when they're on vacation, a request and view it, that they can view data on their iPad, um, that doesn't stall, there's no lag, there's no spinning buffering icons and things like that. You know, ultimately to me, that equates to success for your compliance program. And so that's really, I think the, the, the success stories really focus on that. You know, we had a, an employee at a customer of ours say that, you know, our system was the easiest to use compliance solution they'd ever used in their whole career, which is, you know, a nice thing to hear. So, but again, ultimately that makes it a success for the compliance teams internally, which is, is really the most important thing. So Parth, what advice might you have for a CCO or a general counsel when they're evaluating the use of data analytics into their compliance program? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a great question. So I, I think the biggest thing from my perspective would be the biggest piece of advice would be just take the plunge. Um, you know, you will, you will be thankful for moving to a world where you're relying more on data than human driven, subjective, you know, answers to questions or, you know, data from questionnaires, etc. Um, you know, you're going to re realize probably immediate ROI in terms of identifying duplicate payments and waste and anomalous transactions. But ultimately, you'll also be automating a lot of manual data collection for your business that will free them up to do what they're supposed to be doing, which is selling your products in a compliant manner. Um, and will also free up your team members in compliance and legal uh, to be doing more value-add work 
um, to really be looking at higher risk transactions. Um, and you know, the other piece of advice I'd say is this is not new. Everyone's ta been talking about data for many years, um, but you have to be pretty smart about it. So a lot of folks are talking about data, which is really uh, what they're talking about is just making nice looking dashboards of human driven data. So, you know, your number of a dashboard of the number of third parties that you've performed due diligence on by country is good, but that's not data analytics. That's, that's just a dashboard uh, that you can do in PowerPoint or Excel. Um, you know, data analytics is taking bigger data sources like spend data, running sophisticated tests and algorithms on that data, you know, supplementing it with unsupervised AI, you know, and risk scoring that spend, you know, that is real analytics. That's a machine uh, doing something that would take a human, you know, many hours to do. Um, but the reality is that we, that's not, that's today. That's not the future. That's happening today. Um, so it's not insurmountable. You can start small. You don't have to be inundated with data. You can start, set the right thresholds, work with partners, um, you know, uh, outside counsel, outside auditors to help you uh, walk before you can run, but it's good to just get that process, I think, started sooner rather than later because you just will see dividends, I think, quickly. So, Parth, uh, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but you had a quote in the Fraud Magazine article that I referenced a little bit earlier that Vince Walden wrote that I wanted to read because it really seemed to me to encapsulate with uh, great specificity what you just said and, and you said Quote, businesses are at an inflection point where tools that combine powerful data visualization, transaction risk scoring, and machine learning with a modern cross-platform user experience will define which organizations have truly effective compliance programs. And my question is, is that a message that you find is resonating in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I, I, very much so. You know, I think, again, as I mentioned, the, the message does click pretty immediately. Um, you know, that article that Vince wrote, a wonderful article. You know, Vince is someone I've worked with for many years who gets it as well. There is a core group of sort of evangelists in the space, you know, myself included, Vince, yourself, who are really thinking about how organizations operationalize um, compliance easier and better. And so, I think the, the message is getting very clearly received by uh, the, the in-house uh, compliance and audit teams that we talk to because I think it, it's clear. You know, it's the, the, that technology should be leveraged to assist these very bright people within organizations to make better decisions in a way that is not happening today. And companies want this. They want the true internal controls that are really end-to-end -end that's driven by technology. It's just today... There are very few solutions, no solutions that actually do that. And so, you know, we're really excited to be at the forefront of that, working with and talking to folks like yourself and Vince of really that transformation of some great companies who are serious about compliance uh, to have really serious tools to, to, to manage their risk. And so, um, yeah, it's an exciting time. I think the technology will continue to get better and better um, and I think processes will and uh, will get more effective, and I think compliance will benefit across the board. Arthur, right, I was wondering if uh, listeners wanted to follow up with you directly or find out any more information on Lextegrity, how could they do so? Yeah, so um, you first you can go to our website, www.lextegrity.com. You can email me directly at uh, pchanda at lextegrity.com, or 
Uh, reach out to info at lextegrity.com. Connect with any of us on LinkedIn on our team. Uh, we're also going to be um, at the SCCE National Conference in D.C. in mid-September. Um, and, yeah, we're happy to just set up some time, demo the application for, for anyone, and, and really just more engage. I mean, we, we really feel like we're creating a community of like-minded um, in-house folks and thought leaders who want to transform this space um, in a way that, that, that hasn't happened yet. And so uh, we look, really look forward to hearing from your listeners and also uh, keeping in touch with you as well, Tom. Great. Well, I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. We're going to link to Park's company, uh, Lextegrity, in the show notes, as well as the article I referenced in Frog Magazine by Vince Walden. Please check out both. I think you will find them uh, incredibly informative. I hope you will join us again next week for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.